WFJA 105.5, Sanford, Pinehurst, Southern Pines. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome from the Chiefs East, Crystal Lambert, Brandon Atkins, coming at you from Central North Carolina. Brandon, morning to you, sir. Good morning. To well, you, I was sir. all fired up, ready to talk about some some issues, and then I just got lulled to sleep by Cindy Lopper. That was, dude. We've we've had this conversation, Costin. Um, we're going to have to address the music coming in time after time. I guess we don't have any control. Until right at 9 a.m. So up to that point, it's just completely at the discretion of the computer as to, you know, what's running. Right. I, I'm I'm with you, man. I need a nap. <laughs> Although, before you walked in, I do have to admit, I might have been singing along with that silly little song, but whatever. And for those of you that are listening via podcast, it was um, Time After Time by Cindy Lauper. So... Costin does this to us time yeah, after know, time. And I'm going to pretend that it's... You know, random, but I, I'm starting to believe that it's not. Uh, so, what do you want to talk about, Chris? I, you know, I want to talk about a lot of things, um, and and we're going to get to all of those as we move down the line. We we have to talk about Miles Garrett, okay, ripping off Mason Rudolph's helmet and trying to kill him. We've got to talk about Colin Kaepernick and this bizarre workout that was either an NFL event or it wasn't an NFL event. I, I'm confused as to what they're ultimately calling it. Mm-hmm. But we've got to talk about that. Um, I suppose at some point we should talk about the fact that I'm one Colts went away from having to wear Michigan gear. I'm really excited about that. And you, you were talking about some foolishness, like you're going to get to choose it. <laughs> I'm choosing what you wear, okay? Oh, is like, that how yeah. that's going to go down? Oh, yeah, yeah. I do have to say, man, that you're off the hook for a little while because even if the Colts were to go belly up, um, it'll be a while before Third Eye Blind is back in town. Of course, if you lost the bet, you had to go see Third Eye Blind with me again. Right. Um, I went and saw them last week, and uh, wasn't a great show. Can't can't lie. I was very disappointed. My wife went what with was me different? for the first time. Well, the vocals were bad. Uh, um, the, the sound guy. Yeah, it was. A, there was a cold. There was. It was. Yeah, it wasn't great. But I had a great time, and there were a uh, group of girls behind my wife and I that sang every single song at the top of their lungs, and they even sang the guitar solos, which was very interesting. Mm. Yeah, so that was fun too. But anyway, I digress. Before we get to any of that, oh, speaking though, of real quick, yeah, speaking of. Um, Concerts. I got my girls Harry Styles tickets for oh Christmas. God. They that show sold out. It might there might be a few tickets, but they were selling like hotcakes. I don't know why I wanted to throw that out there, but I and they were not. I don't know why you wanted to cheap. throw that out there either. Yeah, I'm sure they weren't cheap. So what do you drop on a ticket for Harry Styles? These well, days? He, I didn't even look at the ones that are right on stage, but um, I'm gonna let me guess. I'm gonna say one sixty five a piece. Those are nosebleeds. So wow, one sixty-five to two hundred bucks are you're like touching the rafters. You know, I I kind of feel like concert ticket prices right now are sort of like the housing bubble 
circa about 2006. Right. We're reaching our tipping point. I'm tired of going on for bands that are coming touring and seeing ticket prices that are more than my car note. Right. It, I mean, we're really getting to the point where folks are going to be like, you know what? I'm okay. I'm going to be out on this one. But there was a there was a particular show that I decided not to get tickets for. General admission a while back, three fifty. Come on, man, three fifty. So lower level Harry Styles tickets around just under four hundred. Really? And how much and that, are the how much are the on the floor up near the stage? I didn't even look. I didn't <laughs> want to get. <laughs> I just I started to look just because I got um when Khalid was at Red Hat Amphitheater I got them close to the stage and you don't even want to know. Well, I, you and, know, and, and afterwards, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I got Clarice the same tickets, and Clarice ended up going and hanging out at the very back of Red Hat with her friends. Amazing. And I'm like, you could have told me that if you were just going to go back to the fence. <laughs> you know, after I shelled out. Like you said, a car note for this thing. I, I don't, I, I don't get what's going on with these concert tickets, and um, you know, it's funny because I consider myself to be a fiscal conservative, mm-hmm. so I'm all about free market principles. But if the government wants to get into the business of regulating something, how about you regulate the ticket industry? Because what Ticketmaster does on the back end of those tickets is nothing short of obscene. <clears throat> you know I mean, what I'm going to do? I'm going to call up Harry Styles and be like. You need to get your prices down, or I'm gonna call Disney Plus on you, dude. And if what if Disney Plus ran the concert series out there? So is the Mandalorian? Is that the most watched <laughs> streaming show of all time? Sorry, yeah. is there anybody in America left that hasn't seen this? Uh, no, I don't think so. And it has it, it's really, really, really good. It gets it back to the core of what made Star Wars great. But I don't want to nerd out. I don't want to tell you that it's set. Five years after Return of the Jedi, and twenty-five years before Force Awakens, it's not like I've done any research. I appreciate you rocking that out. The thing I, I was asked the question this weekend is why is John Favreau so underrated? Right. You know, this is the guy that brought us Iron Man. He's been responsible for a lot of the the MCU. My my only explanation is that he's been in one too many romantic comedies. And he, that's that's the only thing. I like him. I if you've know. never watched his cooking show, oh, he has an awesome cooking show. You, you, I, I watched a little bit of that. It's inspired by the movie Chef. And if anybody yeah. has not seen Chef, you're sleeping on that. That's a really good movie. He plays a um, a, a chef, <laughs> oddly enough. Um, it's a really good one. Check it out on Netflix. And now there is a television series that is a real-life thing that was inspired by this by this movie and uh, Brandon gives it the uh, five gold stars. It's just really quirky banter back and forth as they drink and cook and talk about culture. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Kind of like we do here, except not cooking and not talking about culture. Right. And now that we're at WFJA, no drinking. Yeah, no drinking either. God, dog. Remember the podcast back oh in the day? Oh, my God. I, I vaguely remember some of those podcasts. <laughs> there are some that are a little fuzzy. Most of them I, I do recall. Um, I wax poetic about those days now and again. What I need to do here in the next eight minutes, though, is I need to address something that I know you have a strong opinion about. Okay. I want to talk about James Wiseman at the University of Memphis. Right. For those of you that don't know, this is one of the top players in the country. Some some services had him rated number one overall. 7-1, 240s, a freak of nature. Um, now, 
James Wiseman, as of right now, has been ruled ineligible by the NCAA. Nobody's real clear on what's going to happen with him moving forward. And just to give you a quick rundown, you can check it out on the web. The, the stories are all over there about what happened. But the bottom line is, James Wiseman moved, relocated to Memphis back in 2017, and it appears to have been on Penny Hardaway's nickel. I didn't even mean to do that. I swear I did. That was good. But Penny Hardaway um, is the head coach at the University of Memphis. So on its face, the fact that Penny Hardaway gave this family what looks to be a little less than $12,000 to help offset the uh, the relocation cost on its face looks like it's dirty. Well, then when you peel it back, though, it gets a little more complicated because at the time, Penny Hardaway was not the head coach at Memphis. He was actually an AAU coach, and that was what all this was tied about. And if you think 12000 bucks to help out a player at the in the AAU circuit is a lot, you're sleeping because that's peanuts relative to what the the transactions that go on with with some of these kids at the AAU level and also with these private academies and the rest of that. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't seem to have been that big a deal, but the NCAA's position is that regardless of the fact that Penny Hardaway was not a coach at the time or not the Memphis coach at the time, he, by virtue of having played at Memphis, is a Memphis booster. So therefore, the benefits are illegal and sufficient to make James Wiseman ineligible. Now, initially, I liked Memphis's reaction where they kind of knew it was coming and gave the middle finger to the NCAA and was like, we're going to play him anyway. But at this point, he has been ruled ineligible, and he's out indefinitely waiting to see what goes down with this. But first, on, on the front side of this, I want your thoughts as to whether you think this guy ought to be playing college basketball. And then I want to talk a little bit about why it really, to James Wiseman, doesn't make a hill of beans whether he plays or not. Go. Well, first off, Chris Lambert, do you think there's any dumb rules that you have to follow out there in life in general? Yeah. So, even though they're dumb... I think I ought to be able to smoke a cigarette right here in this studio right now. So, but you still follow them, though, right? For the most part, yeah. So, everything about this... And as you walk through it, I say, if there was a natural progression of, well... He's you know, just trying to help a family out, and then he becomes a booster, and then he decides to go to Memphis to coach. If all those things really happened in that order, okay, yes, then there's no problem with it. But I, does anyone in the world believe that, that he, as an AAU coach, Penny Hardaway, was hand-holding this kid all the way up and not thinking about coaching him in the college level? And if he had planned on coaching him in the college level – wouldn't you think him smart enough to go, well, maybe I shouldn't give him 11 grand? You know what I mean? So it smells bad. Now, the rule surrounding that is kind of stupid when you look at it. You know, I mean, what if if you have a plan on coaching it, you know, and you're a booster and th- this kid's known you since he was probably knee high, it would make sense that you maybe coach him at the next level for at least a year because I'm sure he's one and done. So that leads me to your second question, unless you want to. Respond to what well, I just said. Well, a couple of things. I, I want to make clear that, that the NCAA has not disputed James Wiseman's story that he didn't know about the benefit. Apparently, this is a transaction where mom was paid. Um, and that's an interesting little area because the NCAA, on one hand, you know, took back the Heisman Trophy and vacated wins for USC because of, of 
Reggie Bush's family collecting benefits from boosters from USC, but they turned their head completely about Cam Newton and his father receiving six figures from boosters from Auburn because it wasn't him, it was his dad. So there's mixed results. Well, and then to the letter of the law, the other piece of that, too, is that by definition, you be, you become a booster when you were associated with the team and providing any kind of benefit to that team. So as a former player, you, you uh, without going and peeling the law back, I would say you are by definition a booster. The second piece of that is once you become a booster – Per the NCAA's definition, you can never unbecome a booster. You don't go from being a booster once and then, yo, I I rescind my boosterism. So once you're a booster, you're always a booster. So there's that part of it, which is a little cloudy. But my thing is, I agree with you that on some level, Penny Hardaway might have been looking forward. And certainly, when Memphis was looking to hire Penny Hardaway as a head coach, one of the benefits they considered was, oh, this relationship with Wiseman, he can probably bring him in, along with some other kids that he had been tied to as a high school coach well, and as an AAU coach. So it was certainly a consideration. A- am I willing to look at it as so cynically that I'm like, that's why Penny Hardaway thought I'm going to stroke this one check, and that's going to, you know, I can parlay that well, into the head coach on top of at, that at, what's, at Memphis. What's, what's even weirder about it, or just silly about it, is that Memphis could have offered his parents or his mom a job Example, Tyler Hansburg's mom working at Carolina. I hate to say it, put the Tar Heels out there like that. But they could have wrapped that job into a package that would have helped her move to Memphis. See where I'm going with this? You, you talking about Zion Williamson's mom's <laughs> consultancy? I'm, I'm just, I'm just asking. I'm just like, all right, we got to take a break. We're going to be back on the other side. I want to finish that. We're going to, we're going to get through this. But I have a special surprise. You don't even know this call's coming in. This is going to be fun. Awesome. We'll see you on the other side of the break. Stay tuned. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats in Sanford, North Carolina. We'll see you on the other side of the break. Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with REMAX Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. Did you know there is a place right here in downtown Sanford that utilizes fresh, organic, and sustainable foods from our area's vast farming community? It's Cooper's Restaurant and Wine Room, located at 133 South Steel Street in historic downtown Sanford. I'm Executive Chef Brian Moser. Come join us Tuesday through Saturday from 5 to 10 to experience an ever-evolving, locally-sourced menu featuring the area's best farmers, paired with the locally-brewed beers and some of the world's best wine. Make your reservations now on the Open Table app and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 
Have you mixed your pain meds, your sleep meds, your allergy meds? Call the Poison Helpline. Has your child eaten a tube of toothpaste, a chip of paint, a wild mushroom? Call the Poison Helpline. Have you been bitten by a spider, a snake, an insect? Call the Poison Helpline. Poisonings can happen at the home, on the job, or in the great outdoors. Call the Poison Helpline first for fast, free advice from medical professionals. Call 1-800-222-1222 anytime, anywhere. 1-800-222-1222. Save the number, save a life. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Joel Klein catches a 7 o'clock train after his evening CPR class at the American Red Cross. Ron Garrett is on the same train. He's had a rough day and doesn't feel like himself. Until he feels the sudden tightness in his chest, Ron never thought he'd actually have a heart attack. Until Joel is administering CPR, he never thought he'd actually save a life. When you train with the Red Cross, you change a life. Starting with your own. Call 1-800-RED-CROSS or visit redcross.org to learn about life-changing opportunities in your area. Tweens have mastered the art of tuning out. Jen, there's a spider in the car. We're turning your room into a home gym. See? Nothing. But some messages need to get through. Like making sure they're buckled up. The whole ride, every time. Do whatever it takes to make your child listen. Jen, I friended your boyfriend. Wait, what? Buckle up, sweetie. Never give up until they buckle up. Learn more at safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Check her out. Oh, man. I like that. When young men turn 18, they think they know a lot about the facts of life. But there are a few more facts they need to know. Fact, you have to register with Selective Service when you turn 18. It's the law. Fact, registration keeps you eligible for government jobs and student loans. Fact, it's easy to register. Just visit sss.gov or any post office. Register with Selective Service when you turn 18. It's the law. And that's a fact. Welcome back from the Cheap Seats. Kristen Lambert, Brandon Atkins, early on a Monday morning, hanging out on the phone. Now, I want to I want to dress this up for you, Brandon. So, the NCAA over the years has made it more and more difficult, in theory, for agents to be involved with kids at the collegiate level, right? Mm-hmm. So, there are no more runners working for any of these agents, right? Negative. I've got on <laughs> the phone with me. Smile. We're going to call him Mr. B. We got to protect his his uh, identity. Um, we got to keep him out of trouble. You might get his kneecaps broken. But I've got a guy that I know very well who has worked as a runner for these agents, and I want him to break down exactly how this goes. On the phone with us, we're going to call you today, Mr. B. Mr. B, what's up? What's going on, man? How you doing today? I'm fantastic. Fantastic. Now, I want to make sure that we're clear. I don't because I don't want anybody to get libeled here. You you can't <laughs> drop any names, but I want you as specifically as you can without getting yourself in any trouble. I want you to tell us about your experience as a runner. Can you can you do that for me? Uh yeah, I can give a I can give a little synopsis. Go. So pretty much, um, so pretty much, how it works is, you know, you're underneath a, uh, an agent who's out here trying to get the cream of the crop, 
uh, from small schools to large schools all across the nation. And uh, pretty much once they get their sights on the individual uh, that they pretty much are recruiting, they allow the runner to pretty much be that spokesperson in the beginning. So you're the one building the relationship with the client or the athlete. You're the one who's knowing the ins and outs and the things that they're going through uh, before the agent really gets involved. Um, I guess that's kind of like the first step of uh, trying to follow the rules. Um, and then from that standpoint, once that relationship is built, oftentimes uh, it'll be several months uh, that the agent builds a rapport uh, with the individual and also the family. Uh, that's one of the big targets is understanding the person's background. And that's pretty much leverage. You know, if you're able to satisfy some immediate needs, uh, that person will be, you know, more likely to choose you as an agent. Uh, so, you know, from that standpoint, you just kind of guide the guy through his journey and um, satisfy his immediate needs. You know, if that was cell phone bills, if that was proper meal plans, um, going through the death process, if that was sending them to California to um, for two months to train just for the combine. Um, you know, if that is having a rapport with different attorneys and DAs in the area with small criminal matters, that, you know, with a few friendly handshakes uh, can get taken away. Um, you know, that was the job of the runner and the agent interaction with the players. All right, so let me make maybe make sure that, that everybody out there understands something. There is nothing in the world that says that an, a licensed agent cannot make contact or have a quote-unquote relationship with a kid at the high school or the college level. Nothing in the world that says that. Where the problem comes in is when that relationship results in tangible benefits and things like you said, immediate needs, cell phone bill, um, anything of value that goes behind. We've seen players here recently get in trouble for things as simple. Remember Wendell Carter a couple of years ago, uh, an agent bought pizza for his family yeah. when, he, when he met with them. Um, when you say taking care of immediate needs, what are the most... What what are some of the memorable taking care of personal needs that that you can think of? Um, one in particular would be a situation where I actually saw an agent get fired over a media need, um, such as a cell phone. Pretty much, the kid wanted a specific style cell phone. He got it, of course, careless, broke it. You know, no insurance on it. Wanted a new phone. And the agent was like, for what? You know, you can, all you need is a cell phone to call. And because he couldn't meet that immediate need, you know, he was kind of let off the hook. Like he was let go just like that. So, you know, it was kind of a uphill battle, I guess, as an agent trying to land top guys who are going to be guaranteed money. And, you know, it's a lot of cash being pushed out, what was being pushed out uh, during that time in order to get these guys uh, the things that they needed so they can perform at peak levels, if that meant in their social life or if that meant, you know, things to help them perform better on the field. Um, that's what the agent job was, you know, was to make make sure this individual is capable of getting to that next level. So you want to satisfy his immediate needs. 
given the given the the athletes that you dealt with and the agents that you dealt with, what would you say the largest amount of money that was given to in in terms of value to a particular prospect by a single agency? What's the biggest number you know of over the course of that relationship? Um, just a raw number. So I guess now it's kind of against the rules to pay for training and things of that nature. So you just want a raw, like a raw number? Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, here's the, here's the thing. You, you know, we're talking right now about James Wiseman. And James Wiseman, his mother received what's being reported as $11,500 from Penny Hardaway at Memphis. In the right. bigger scheme of things, you know, given the ga- way the game is played, especially at the AAU level with these private academies and the AAU teams and them, you, you know, with their sponsor money doling out significant sums, where does that eleven five register, I guess is what I'm asking. Is that is that a blip on the radar? Is that even a significant amount? Or would you say, uh, yeah, that's enough that, that it would raise eyebrows? It's a blip <laughs> on, the, on the radar. It's a blip. I, I think that, you know, them trying to uh, suspend the guy for that 11-5 for Penny moving his family a few years back. And, you know, I don't know if all the stars aligned. I didn't. I don't know if he knew he was going to get that head coaching job automatically. But to me, I just think it's a little bit much for the NBA when, I mean, for the uh, NCAA to do a suspension for for something like that. I think it needs to be categories of what is considered, you know, expensive to exploit the athlete. And if if family is already moving and somebody wanted to donate that money, like I don't see an issue with that in particular. Well and on the other end of the spectrum you've got Chase Young at Ohio State who ultimately ended up missing two games. He'll be back for Penn State this week. Over five hundred dollars. Five hundred dollars. Yeah, but see, I think that scenario is different. Talk to because me. Because that five hundred dollars was for a personal a personal use, and that was supplied by someone else that had nothing to do with his everyday life activities. I think you having a place to stay with your family in order to put you in a better position to get to college. I think that's almost more of a necessity than five hundred bucks to you know hang out. That's an interesting take. So you think that the the amount is immaterial in this case, but the fact that, you know, Chase Young took 500 bucks from, you know, basically an agent, um, trumps 11.5 because of what it was used for. That's interesting. Brandon, what do you think about that? Man, I'm always amazed at what small amounts of money, we've talked about this before because we're in different situations in life, yeah. right? We're not young. We're not potentially, you know, poor. I'm always amazed at the jeopardy they will put themselves in for, like, amount, like $500. Do you know what I mean? Um, It just seems like if you have, like, Whiteside, he's going to be a pro in, like, a year and a half. You know what I mean? Like, this guy's going to be, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Wiseman. He's going to be a pro in a year and a half and making millions of dollars. Can't you, like, just spend, like, a year and a half more, maybe not getting, like, that pair of shoes that you want? For type of thing, for it just seems very short sighted to me. From your perspective, Mister B, do you feel like these young men 
understand the gravity of what's going on and the jeopardy they're putting, especially in football. Because basketball, here's the situation. James Wiseman, if he doesn't play another second for Memphis, long term, it really doesn't have any impact on him. First of all, Memphis, the likelihood that they're going to you know, go to a Final Four, win a national championship, something that he can hang his hat on forever, is, is small. I mean, it's the, the chance is there. But this guy can go to Australia. He can go to Europe. He can sign a G League contract. He can go do an internship can, at New Balance. He can not do anything basketball-wise and just work out for another nine months yeah. and enter the draft, and he's going to make millions and millions of dollars. But – from from a let's 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 pivot to football where these guys as as incoming freshmen have to spend three years in the NCAA essentially. Do these guys do these young men understand how they're jeopardizing their their future? And do are the agents straight up with them? Do they tell them I'm going to do this, but if you get caught, this is the these are the possible ramifications. Yes, absolutely. I think it's very transparent. I don't think um, in today's society there is no naive parties in the matter. You know, these kids are way more advanced. They understand the process. They understand when these people are coming to communicate. <laughs> There's too many TV shows about it. You know, check out All American. Um, you know, so there's too many real-life examples and experiences for I, for me in particular, to feel as if, uh, an athlete on the high school level going to college does not understand or in college and taking money from an agent does not understand the magnitude of what they're doing. It's just the simple thing of they they have been the man and why would somebody ever, you know, want to see them not succeed? So that's why they do it. They they feel in touch on um I they feel is it's not gonna happen to them. Now I think there's a there, there's a misconception um among folks out there that, that, you know, the vast majority of these athletes come from underprivileged backgrounds and didn't necessarily have any money growing up. And I think that is becoming more and more rare as we move forward. Certainly there are kids in the pipeline who don't have a lot of resources available as they're growing up. But you've also got a lot of middle class and upper class kids that are coming through the pipeline. And in the investigations that we've seen over the last five years or so don't seem to indicate that you know the middle class kid is any less likely to get paid off than a a, a poor kid. Right? Is that, is that true, you. or do you think that that it still is a, a socioeconomic gap? Well, I would say I would say um, that answer comes two sided, two folded. I think that's a yes and a no um, answer. Because, honestly, you know, if you got a guy who has this number one draft pick star potential, uh, oftentimes, you know, when you're looking at, I would say, a totality of individuals coming out and, you know, making it to these big division one places, they would be on the spectrum of more of the lower class, not necessarily the middle class. But you're right, though. There are tons of kids coming out of middle-class areas that are getting these huge scholarships. But I think in both situations, they're both prone to uh, get involved in these situations because it's not necessarily the background per se. Uh, it's more so the talent of the kid. You know, how much, how, 
how good do you think this person is? You know, what is that individual star potential? I think that's what it's more so about. So that's how that selection process goes. You know, it's not getting a guy from the worst neighborhood in comparison to getting a guy from, say, the Beverly Hills of the world, and I'm going to change the amount of money I'm going to give them based on their status. No, it's about how good is the guy on the field. Um, I think that's more so what that's based off of. Well, I have a question for both of you, and let me set this up, so bear with me for a second. Like, Chris, if you have a, a cake and we, you've eaten some of it, and you look at me and say, don't touch my cake, right? If I, like, want some of your cake, I'm probably just going to take a sliver that you wouldn't notice. I'm not going to cut the thing in half and, and chow down on that. Are you surprised that people are so naive? Like, Memphis comes out of nowhere and signs a number one recruiting class. Wouldn't you think that they would know a little bit better? That, that might draw some <laughs> attention, like... Maybe get a recruit here, a recruit there. But no, Penny Hardaway comes in and swings for the fence, gets the number one overall recruit, and you're not, you're not going to see that there's smoke to that fire. You know what I mean? Either one of you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely understand that stance, but it's kind of like anything else. If you're going to give it – if you're going to give it your best shot, you got to give it your best shot, man, and, and willing to risk it all. I'm saying, you know – if you look across the board at a lot of these coaches, they've won championships and knew the risk. You know, look at Louisville. Well, that's <laughs> like, the, you know, he, but see, you know, he knew the risk, but it was worth it to him. It was worth it. Those those guys, you can never take away the titles that they won, even if you take the trophy. People still remember who won those games and who was on those courts. Um, so, um, in the grand scheme of things, as a coach. Um, you know, not only to help players, but getting W's and championships is what coaches live for. I'm with you on uh, that. So. I'm with you on that. You probably have Rick Pitino block on your cell phone, but but Louisville <laughs> is actually believable. You know what I mean? Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like when Louisville comes in, they have a history that of championships. So when they get a recruiting class, that's believable. When but when you have Washington getting a number one overall recruit or you have Memphis coming in with a number one recruiting class or top five, whatever you want to call it. It just seems like you're just begging to be investigated, you know, but I, I'm with you. But I'm, if, I'm, if you're going to cheat, go all the way, I guess. I'm saying, I'm saying, well, we can make that argument. Why, why hasn't Oregon been investigated or the university of Washington Huskies? Why, why hasn't Oregon been investigated? Players. Because Phil Knight's got really, really good attorneys. He's got That's big, why. He's got big boy money. <laughs> he, he's got big boy money. Oklahoma State over on the football side, what they do over there is unbelievable. And, you know, you can say, uh, you know, benefits from from boosters to athletes. But when T. Boone Pickens is out there dropping billions into that program, don't you think there's benefit, you know, conferred down to those players? Here's my question, and I know that you've worked and operated sort of, and, and you're not in this industry anymore, but I know that you've worked up and down the eastern seaboard. Based on on what you've been a part of and what you've seen and what you've had your hands on, what percentage of the programs in America are clean? None. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Absolutely none, man. You can go to your Division three schools that cipher in these quote-unquote stipends because they don't give scholarships. To you know, get these kids to your D two schools, uh, Division one schools, um, you know, just across the board, uh, somebody is doing something to land 
that that guy to help propel their coaching career. Like, let's be real. They do it in Little League football. <laughs> you know, they get these kids to make powerhouse super teams, and now, you know, Little League football, they're playing in Florida every year in the world, you know, United States Super Bowls. So, you know, this stuff is starting early. And it's, and, and by the time they get to college, nobody hands up clean. You can't have clean hands to land these top guys, you know. Nobody has that good of a principle, in my honest opinion, being in college athletics because you're going to compete. Is there is there ever a circumstance where a college coach or a college program said, nah, nah, thanks, that's too much, that's going to get us killed? Are you yeah, aware yeah, of absolutely. that? Yeah, absolutely. That, that happens more often than not, you know. Um, I, I guarantee it there's times where coaches are like, you know what, this guy would be worth it. If I get him, you know, we might have a national title or two. But would I just rather have an opportunity to have a team that's going to give me, get me into the tournament and we let dreams, you know, take control? Or, you know, do I risk it all and get this guy who I know we're going to get to the Final Four if he stays healthy and possibly lose the program and my credibility? I think sometimes the coaches are going to go with the former rather than... So, uh, so what you're saying is that for the James Wisemans and Zion Williamsons of the world, virtually every program will do what it's going to take to get those guys in the building. Um, yeah, absolutely, unless, you know, even with that guy, the program's not going to go anywhere. You know, that would be like, I don't know, let's say a school like Rowan University and they land a number one basketball recruit. I don't care who's on that roster. They're not going to be a tournament team, you know? So that I think I think that goes into play as well in regards to decisions. Like if I was a Division One AA school, and you know, like come on, let's let's just be real about um, the opportunities. So it's like Brandon's cake analogy. Some of those coaches are like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna get me a sliver. I don't want the whole cake because that's gonna get some attention." And everybody's going to be wondering where I got that cake from. But if I get me a little piece of cake and I eat it real fast, nobody's ever going to know. Absolutely, man. Just just imagine you being at a little small school. Let's just imagine Zion Williams at Campbell. Right. Do they even have the resources to support what would come with him? Are you? I, I, I want to make sure that you're not suggesting that there might have been anything at all untoward about the recruiting of Zion Williamson to Duke. You couldn't possibly be suggesting that, could you? And listen, the kid, <laughs> the kid whole family migrated from South Carolina to Durham. You know, so either you know they planned this and they had that all in their budget. You know, where his bar, he only gets cut by his barber from home. You know, that's a lot of commitment making that drive, you know. And that's, that's all I'm saying. So you're saying it might not just be the brotherhood. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to single them out. That'd be very easy for me to Ricky's do. Ricky's going to quit the show after today. <laughs> but, hey, uh, Mr. B, how hard did you laugh? I don't know. First, I should ask you. You know about the Dennis Smith Jr. situation? How absolutely. hard did you laugh when that coach was directly handing this dude money like 
Is this guy like just been living in a cave? I mean, you've been in this industry for he, a long he time. He should have had you on the phone. He could have been. He could have been like, "Hey, Mister B, I'm gonna need you to pass this envelope full of forty thousand dollars." <laughs> Absolutely. It's, you know, that's just stupidity. Some people just don't think. <laughs> it, that's just what it is. You know, it's just like anything else. These coaches <laughs> aren't immortal. They take um, not rational decisions all the time. So I was looking on Indeed. Dot com the other day looking at prospective jobs where exactly would I find runner you know out there in the world how does one become a runner you just gotta you gotta be somebody that's just around it you know you have to be at ground zero in order to get involved with things like that and you kind of get you kind of get scooped up by the agents and they're like hey man I see that you know such and such why don't exactly. we? Okay. Now, how many times did I want to? I just want to know, just because I want to be able to visualize this. How many times did you actually pass a brown unmarked envelope to an athlete? <laughs> actually, me personally, I, I've never had to do that. Okay. Yeah, I've never had to personally do that. Um, I guess the agents that I worked for, they were a little bit. Uh, they were they were a lot more secretive when it came to the actual passing the money. You know, I guess that happen in the dark corners all right very good mr b i appreciate your time i appreciate your stories and for anybody out there that thinks college is at the college athletics are clean i think we just dispelled that myth um i will see you soon sir all right all right man appreciate the call we'll talk soon peace all right from the chief seats with an exclusive there that's legit. I've never heard somebody that was a legit runner be interviewed on any platform, and I know this is true. I've seen like pictures of him with athletes and all the rest of that right. stuff. It's pretty cool. Um, we are going to take a late break here. We'll be back on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats on WFJ 105.5 FM in Central Carolina and around the world on every internet platform possible. Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with REMAX Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. Did you know there is a place right here in downtown Sanford that utilizes fresh, organic, and sustainable foods from our area's vast farming community? It's Cooper's Restaurant and Wine Room, located at 133 South Steel Street in historic downtown Sanford. I'm Executive Chef Brian Moser. Come join us Tuesday through Saturday from 5 to 10 to experience an ever-evolving, locally-sourced menu featuring the area's best farmers paired with the locally brewed beers and some of the world's best wine. Make your reservations now in the Open Table app and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We all come together 
and stand together to serve our veterans. We invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. We are there, day one, with baby names and a gift that lasts a lifetime. We are there, as you grow, protecting you and those you love. And we are there, as you start your next chapter. We are with you through life's journey. We are Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. Get to know us at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You've messed up your daughter's haircut. Do you, A, it's spiritual. Mom, where's the mirror? Beauty is within. Oh. B, find the positives. Less time blow drying, more time texting. Or C, show empathy. Mom, you really don't have twinsies. I kind of love it. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on adoption, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Swimming pools can be lots of fun, but they can be dangerous, too, especially for young children. Always practice simple safety steps to prevent tragedies. Fence all pools. Teach kids to swim. And always watch them around water. No horseplay. Simple steps save lives. To learn new life-saving steps, visit PoolSafely.gov. A public service message from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. Are you ready to sell your home and don't know which realtor to choose? Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with REMAX Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. Welcome back from the Chief Seas, Crystal Lambert, Brandon Atkins, ruining college sports for everybody that's listening. Um, if you think your favorite program is completely clean and there's no transactions involved with these top recruits. You're just dead wrong. I do, you know, we talked about it, though. You know, when you and I grew up, we're, we're both men of a certain age. Yep. When we grew up in the 80s with college sports and our contemporaries going on to play college sports and things like that, um, I think that there was a stereotype in place that we've, we've sort of outlived. And... I think that the perception of most people out there was that these athletes, by and large, basketball and football in particular, were coming from broken homes. They were, you know, coming from from poverty, basically. And I watched a video the other day of Garrett Wilson, who is is one of the top recruits in the country this past year. He's a freshman wide receiver at Ohio State, and his family actually moved from 
the Columbus area out to Texas for him to play football at Lake Travis. And, you know, they were there with the family, and they live in this sprawl in Austin. I mean, a million-dollar home. And it got me to thinking that so much of that stereotype really doesn't exist anymore. There certainly are instances where kids come from nothing, and, they, you know, these underdog stories that fought. I mean, LeBron James being a prime example, raised by a single mom, didn't have much growing up. But then got into the pipeline of the, you know, the academies and this, that, and the other, and now is, you know, one of the richest athletes we've ever seen. But anymore, that's the exception to the rule. The other piece of that is that as dirty as the recruiting process may be money-wise, something that I see now that was never an issue when I was in school, and I played around a lot of top-shelf athletes, I had a chance to play college sports, um, and, and wasn't at the level where anybody was going to give me anything except, you know, some tuition. But the thing that nobody talked about then that is at the forefront now is your grades and that ACT score. And it doesn't matter unless you're the one of the top players in the, in the region, literally. The first question that these, recru- that these recruiters and these coaching staffs have, what do the grades look like? Because they don't want that headache, and it goes back to the old adage Jimmy Johnson made famous. You know, your your most important ability is availability. Right. And if you're going to struggle with the grades, you can't hide from that. You know, once you get onto campus somewhere, um, you're going to have to keep those grades intact, and you're going to have to be able to operate as a student athlete. And that's a lot. But it's a lot of burden. Yeah, but. If you're t- you're talking about all players, not one and dones, right? Because the one and dones are the, the exception to yeah. the rule. And the problem with the one and dones is that with the way the college basketball season is structured, you're cranking that up, and you're really done. Essentially, before your first semester is up, but certainly before your first year is up. So these kids that come in that are one and dones, there's no incentive for them to be in class. There's right. no, you know, there's no worries. They're going to make it through that first year and then they're going to go to the NBA, but that's such a small infinitesimally small fraction of the college athletes that are out there. For my master's degree, one of the projects I worked on really opened my eyes to some things. And it had to do with graduation rates. And I put forward the hypothesis that Athletes, male athletes in particular, were being taken advantage of by the university system and that they were being churned out and that there was all this revenue associated with these guys and they weren't getting anything in return. Now, the value of a four-year education is up for debate in today's economy. But you would agree it's strongly diminished. Like, Oh, it is a, it's a definitely year. strongly diminished. In fact, the you, you know I read an article this weekend that said after all these years of pushing for four-year degrees, now we need trades. I just read the same article, too. And, and you know, my, my daughter just got done visiting um, App State and Wake Forest. Um, and, uh, you know, depending on which school she goes to, I don't even know what the tuition would be at App State. But the Wake Forest, I have a fairly good idea. And I'm going, how much value do you even get? My point is, is that, in terms of compensation to um, student athletes, the four-year degree was, I think, perfectly – it was perfect uh, trade-off 30 years ago. Now it's not because you, if you walk in with a four-year degree, then the next question somebody has, oh, well, where did you go? And if it's not like 
you know, if it's not like, well, I went to Duke or Wake Forest or whatever high-end school, that doesn't get you, even get your foot in the door anymore. Well, like, it I, used to be a college degree would get you I, – anything that you had would get your foot in the door, and then they would d- take a look at you. But, I mean, you know, I've been in – I worked in a software company. This has been years ago in um, Cary, and I know how competitive it is. And, like, I mean, I went – I got my degree at UNC Chapel Hill, and I barely got into that place. And so I'm just saying is the value is just not there anymore. Well, okay, well – the value of a college degree, I mean, we've kind of got what we asked for. We want all these kids to go into the university system. We want to expand these universities, make education more accessible. And in doing so, we've devalued the four-year degree. That's just a fact of life. It also has to do with your decision-making processes to go through because I can't tell you, working as an Army recruiter, how many times I dealt with folks that were, say, English majors. Oh, well, you must have desired to be an English teacher. No, I didn't. You know, you go and get a liberal arts degree, and then you can't get a job on the back end with it. You know, what were you doing? But the article that we both apparently read said we need to steer these kids toward being tradespeople. And anybody that doesn't believe that, call and try and get an electrician out to your house today. (laughs) It is absolutely not going to happen. You'll be lucky to find one that will ever come out to your house. And when you do, it's going to be down the road. You know how that goes. And I have a lot of kids that are a lot of different stages in their life, one of them is actively trying to get into an electrical lineman program where he would be one of the guys that's a responder, goes out there and does the storm stuff, you know, keeps the utilities intact. And the salary on the front side of that is unbelievably high and outkicks anything he could possibly have done at university as far as a starting salary. That's the age that we live in. I got a friend of mine that's an electrician up in Kentucky right now, and they absolutely have no electricians out there. The average age of an electrician in the country right now, if I'm not mistaken, is about 57 years old. Try we all find, need electricians. Try find a try to find a brick mason right now. Yeah, so uh, so I'm, it's there. But but back to my point because we completely went the a different direction. My assumption going in on this hypothesis was. I'm going to find out that these kids don't finish college. The opposite is absolutely the truth. College athletes, male athletes, graduated about an 85% rate within five years of starting college. For the general population, it's a fraction of that. For young black males entering the university system, their graduation rate within five years of starting college is somewhere around 35%. So the likelihood, because of all the support structure, all of the assistance that is in place for these athletes that isn't necessarily out there for the general public, um, the sense of community, the fact that they live in you know dorms that are that are with people that are in that same group, you know the camaraderie, the fraternity, all of the rest of that, puts these guys in a position where they are much less, much more likely to finish college on time. And take that degree out in the world because still 99.9% of your college athletes are not going to play pro sports. They're going to use that degree. And we can trash a four-year degree all we like, but it is still better to have one than to not have one. And if you do this right, you can parlate. You've been around it. You know what a leg up in life having been a college athlete at a major university has in the business world. You know, you want a job on a on a on a, you know, in in car sales or in whatever the case might be. It's that a, it's, reputation and that legacy 
it, there's a lot going to back it. going back to that software company that I worked at. You could be a bench player. I, I'll, I'll use an, I don't even know his name. This one guy. It's a five minute interview. So they're interviewing. They know that you uh, were on, like, say, the Florida Gators, and you got a you got a championship ring. Maybe you wear that to the interview. You're instantly hired. People are just infatuated with st- athletes in in general. And that is a different. Now, that's what I will say is I think you're trying to determine the difference. For some schmuck like me, having a degree, it doesn't really amount to a hill of beans. But for a, for an athlete that played on a team, that's an it is. I guess I'll go retract my earlier statement. That is valuable because you get right in the door, and most times you're just hired whether you're qualified or not because they just like it's you know when you're talking to clients and if you know as it happens sometimes. You, your conversation might shift to sports, and then you, oh, I'm on the line with this dude who played with Florida Gators, <laughs> and you know I know I know someone. I have a direct line to this athlete now, and it's easier to sell those people. So I take I retract what I said that for a student athlete that well for the major sports. Let's be honest. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean the <laughs> fact that I played water polo right at you know UNC uh, UC Irvine doesn't doesn't mean a whole lot to folks. But if you play basketball or football in particular. Or even like women's soccer or something that's... Yeah, and there certainly are folks that screw up that opportunity and don't take advantage of it. But folks that are forward-looking and know how to parlay that, we know plenty of athletes that are out there in the business world and the, the you know their background, it certainly is a huge boost to yeah. what they can do professionally. So that, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Um I think we've kind of hit on this, and we got a lot of football to talk about. All right, man, let's go. All right, before we get into the Miles Garrett thing, because that's going to take us down an, an interesting little road, I feel. I want to say to all of the observers out there, if you're complaining about Saban's management of Tua this past weekend and asking the question, why was he still in the game? Why was he playing at all? First of all, why was he playing at all? Because he was the best option at quarterback, he was healthy enough to be out there. And the fact that he laid 35 points in the first half on Mississippi State is proof positive that he was healthy enough to be out there. If he wasn't healthy enough to be out there, they wouldn't have been able to drop 35 points on a pretty good ball club. What he suffered was a major traumatic injury. And I think sometimes we have this hesitancy as a country, to look at football and be like, man, it's a really, really violent game. Now, Tua, there are mixed reports coming out, but the bottom line is he's out the rest of the year. Dislocated hip, broken nose, and a posterior wall fracture. Do you have any idea what a posterior wall fracture is? No. I'm going to tell you. When your thigh bone, your femur, comes dislocated from your hip, it has a tendency to jam up into your pelvis. And when it does, it can break your pelvis. That sounds pleasant. And that's exactly what has happened here. The questions with Tua are not whether he's going to be able to make it back for the national championship, not whether he's going to be able to, you know, be drafted by an NFL ball club. The questions are, is he ever going to be able to play football again? Right. And I have serious concerns about that because when you subtract his, his mobility, and his ability to be a game-breaker with the run from his total body of skills, he's not an NFL-level player at all. I agree with you, but you can't subtract it nowadays. I mean, all you got to look at is the Arizona 49ers game. The 49ers 
was the most daunted defense in the NFL for a little bit, and Kyler Murray was like gashing them for like 30 yards. I mean, you can't take that part of the game away is what I'm talking about as it pertains to a quarterback anymore. No, 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 no. That, well, that's what I'm saying is that when you're looking at these guys now, there has to be that mobility unless you're an absolutely special arm talent. Oh, so you're and saying, what I'm saying if he is, doesn't have If you take two of his legs away gotcha. from him, what's up from the, from the waist up is not enough to play in the NFL. He's undersized. He does not have great arm talent. He's real good at throwing the ball to wide open receivers, mm-hmm. and he throws a slant real well. That's not going to get it done in the NFL. He doesn't have the power in that arm to drive the ball on the out, which is the throw you have to be able to make in the NFL all the time. I just wonder if we've seen Tua for the last time on a football field, and it's sad if we have. We've got to take a quick break. We'll be back. we got half the show left to go. Half an hour from now, Steve Burdue of the Lee County Yellow Jackets will be on with us to talk about their first-round victory in the North Carolina State playoffs. WFJA 105.5, Sanford, Pinehurst, Southern Pines. Did you know there is a place right here in downtown Sanford that utilizes fresh, organic, and sustainable foods from our area's vast farming community? It's Cooper's Restaurant and Wine Room, located at 133 South Steel Street in historic downtown Sanford. I'm Executive Chef Brian Moser. Come join us Tuesday through Saturday from 5 to 10 to experience an ever-evolving, locally-sourced menu featuring the area's best farmers paired with the locally brewed beers and some of the world's best wine. Make your reservations now on the Open Table app and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. A message from the American Migraine Foundation. It's an absolute nightmare. There's pain that does not stop. I feel trapped by migraine. Migraine is a disabling disease. I feel like I'm dying. You feel like the world's closing in on you. There's nothing you can do. It's like you're trapped in your head. There's no escaping it. You can't leave your body. Don't suffer alone. Make your move against migraine. Visit AmericanMigraineFoundation.org to find help, learn more, and get connected. To buy your home, you became a house hunting ace. Learned about loans, scoured neighborhoods, and asked the right questions. Now you're queen of your castle. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll feel empowered to own your retirement like you own your home. Go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to clearing financial hurdles, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Listen, as a hiring manager, I've got to tell you, the best job candidate isn't always the typical candidate. Sometimes they're a grad of life. Meet the grads of life. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Sometimes the best candidates aren't the ones you're used to. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. 
Debt. If you get in too deep, members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place. Credit cards took charge of my financial life. A certified credit counselor helped me get back in control. Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. NFCC taught me all I needed to know. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. We'll help you put debt in its place. Go to nfcc.org slash stop debt or call 877-410-6322. From the Chief Seas, Crystal Lambert, Brandon Atkins. Halftime is over. The teams are back out of the tunnel, ready to do their thing. Colin Kaepernick, I know you're chomping at the bit to talk about Kaepernick. We can do it quickly. Let's do it. Because there's been people are tired of hearing about Kaepernick. I want Kaepernick to go away. Um, either play or don't play. But I don't know if you've heard the Stephen A. Smith. You said you haven't heard the sound, but you've read up on it. Yeah. So here's kind of it's not my take it's it's the conversation that's being had around the NFL and after listening to Stephen A Stephen A doesn't believe that this guy wants to play in the NFL he believes that he wants to be seen and heard and if you if you look at it the NFL and I'm sure, I, this is not really well thought out cuz I'm listening to new information as I come into the studio today but the NFL went out of this, their way there's been nobody in history that has been treated like this dude. They've gone out of the way in because not one individual team is going to work him out because then they get the media hit. That you know, if they don't hire him, what does that say about their program? You know, the the NFL came in and did about all they could for this dude, and he's picky. He's like wants to go work out in a high school. He doesn't like the facility. He wants his own media there. All right, he wants the only, his own receivers. The, the only the only part of that 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 I'll I'll give you some some brushback on is that the story coming from Colin Kaepernick's camp was that three days out, the NFL still would not tell them who the receivers were that were going to be on hand. That, to me, is problematic. And I don't know. It's hard to tell with the two different. It's almost like politics right now. You got the far left and the far right. I don't know which is which. I suppose the NFL is you know on the far right. Kaepernick's on the far left. Um, Bro, but if it's have- hard to tell where the truth is because the NFL, you know, they they said, well, they set this up. They told Colin Kaepernick re- relatively late in the game what was going on, but then the Kaepernick camp complained about other things. I don't know if Colin Kaepernick wants to play in the league or not. I do think that at this point, the issue itself as to whether Colin Kaepernick is going to play in the NFL again or not is completely 100% about economics. He has a particular number in his mind as to what he thinks his time is worth to play in the NFL, and nobody in the NFL feels like he's a worthwhile investment. Now, is it all about talent? No, certainly not, because headaches associate, just like Mr. B was talking about with these players. You know, if you've got the number one recruit in the country, he might be worth going and putting a bag of money together and saying, look, we're going to just put it out there. We're probably going to get caught, but we're going to ride this train while we can. That guy's worth the headache. Um, 
if you think you've got a team that might be able to win a championship if you add that piece, Colin Kaepernick may make sense at that point. But if you've got a team that's sputtering, the circus that will surround this guy, and this this workout is just proof positive. I mean, he, you he say even do- the NFL's never done this for anybody before. <clears throat> can you imagine there ever having been a player that was going to work out for the NFL where anybody would have cared? Guys literally work out for teams every single week. On their bye weeks, go to your favorite team and do a deep dive, yeah. and you'll find out that they've got 10 or 12 guys in there working out for them. But the difference is is that the NFL made this happen. You know what I mean? It wasn't like individual teams. You know, you might have somebody like Terrell Owens that called his own workout and a bunch of team representatives show up at his facility. That's totally different. The NFL organized this for him. Um, it s- sounds like Jay-Z had a lot to do with this happening because he's on that that board. I don't know what it's called, but he's on that board. And Roger Goodell, as much as you pr- probably nobody likes the guy, he's had something to do with giving this guy a chance so that pe- teams can come together and not put themselves out there because it is going to be a media storm no matter where he goes. Kaepernick's problem right now is he looks kind of flaky. And and what I told you off air, and I'm going to say this, and I'm not going to, I'm just going to leave it out there because I listen, um, I listen Stephen A. Smith on ESPN, and I listen to Shade Forty Five on XM Stereo, uh, XM Stereo. Heather B. is on there. He's starting to lose the support of the black community. Well, you can't show up for this workout in a Kunta Kente T-shirt like he did, and expect that it's going to resonate with people. The way that he intends, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this back into a guy that actually shares history with Colin Kaepernick. When the 49ers drafted Colin Kaepernick, the next quarterback taken was Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton was taken at the top of the second round by the Cincinnati Bengals. He spent nine years as a starter there. Marginal talent, can't do anything on a football field physically as well as Colin Kaepernick can. Mm-hmm. And I've had half a dozen people tell me in the last week or two. I feel bad for Dalton. He does look pretty pitiful on the sideline. He, he does. However, w- the, the the response I have had for all of those folks is that this is a guy that over the last nine years has gotten to be a starting quarterback in the NFL every single week that he was healthy. He has made generational money based on what in the context of NFL quarterbacks is mediocre talent. Don't shed a tear for this dude. You know, what is the what and, and all you have to do is ask yourself, what's the market for Andy Dalton next year? Andy Dalton's been making twenty plus million dollars a year for the last five years. What NFL team is gonna line up and give this Keeping dude it up 20, to AJ Green, by the way? Well, and I got you. I mean, what what NFL team is gonna line up to pay this guy twenty million dollars? And at this point, when you look at him in a vacuum, Colin Kaepernick away from the away from the field for, you know, years now. Andy Dalton, who can get you to you know the playoffs, did it five years in a row with the Cincinnati Bengals on some some you know all right teams. But you look at Dalton; these guys are the same age. They've got the same wear and tear essentially on their on their bodies, you know, based on their age. Nobody's going to step up and give Dalton twenty million. So why would anybody step up and give Colin Kaepernick twenty million dollars? He's been gone for the game. Can you believe it's been three years? It's uh, amazing. So that's another thing is that he has too many, quote-unquote, demands coming into this thing. 
I mean, and that that's why he that's one of the reasons he's not liked by the general your your general fan out there is because there are guys I was at Buffalo Wild Wings yesterday. There are blue collar guys that would kill to have an opportunity to play for an NFL team for peanuts. Well, of course, and they this would. dude comes in. He's he's wearing all this controversial gear. He's demanding a certain number, and he's got all these demands when. The NFL is like, here, here's your own, your one individual. We're going to call in, and I think it ended up being like 24 teams, 25 teams. We're going to call in 25 teams, NFL programs, stop what they're doing and come to you to, for a workout. And you still complain about that? Well, and in the end, there were eight teams showed up for the workout. You know, his agent says, not confident that that there's anything going to come of this. And I look at it at the number. Colin Kaepernick has had opportunities to come back. He was offered deals in a couple of different locations and has said no. He has this idea that he's worth 20-plus million dollars a year. I completely disagree. Um, and and is part of it due to the headache that is that comes with him? Most definitely. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't just come down to what you can do physically. Cam Newton, we're about to see that same thing in Carolina as they part ways. And I know we haven't gotten into it, but maybe the Kyle Allen, you know, dream ride is over based on the fact rough. they got beat to death by we- the Falcons this weekend. But, but my point is, is you can't show up to an event like this wearing a Kunta Kente t-shirt, which, you know, in my mind is equating NFL contracts to slavery and servitude when I just told you that a guy in the same circumstance that was taken later in the draft had marginal success in the NFL made generational money. And here's a newsflash. Andy Dalton didn't make generational money as the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals because he was a white guy. He made it because he was the best option for them to continue making the playoffs and what they thought would ultimately be a Super Bowl run. They've missed their window. A.J. Green can't get on the field. Um, AJ Bur- or AJ Perfect, Vontez Perfect, you know, went from being one of the best inside linebackers we'd ever seen to a punchline, and is now out in Oakland sitting watching because he's been suspended yet again. But the Bengals had a window; they felt like Dalton was the guy to get him to the promised land. He made all that money; he's set for life. His kids are set for life. His grandkids are set for life. Colin Kaepernick, I don't know what his financial status is, but had he played this a little bit differently, he would have been in that in that me, situation. Now me, he may feel like to do that, he may have had to compromise, you know, his political views or whatever the case might be. Okay, I mean that's a choice that you made. That kind of flies in the face of the whole slavery thing, anyway. Well, too. Nobody came back in and said you have to play football. It's so, kind of the opposite right so now. You know what I mean? The other thing, to add on to your point about Kaepernick, let me read you a couple, uh, some stats just really quickly from 2012. Ten touchdowns, three interceptions. 21 touchdowns, eight interceptions. That's mediocre by today's standards. The last three years he was in the league, 19 and 10, 6 and 5, and 16 and 14. Do those numbers scream 20 million a year no. at you? I mean, and people forget he was his game was declining after that Super Bowl run. He was not even a mediocre by today's standards quarterback. You know, I'm leaving out like maybe one year he had four rushing touchdowns. Okay, but when you you're seeing guys like Lamar Jackson in the league and like t- the Tom Brady's and these these other quarterbacks that can throw like Pat Mahomes. And you're screaming, you're coming in here. There, now, as far as the Kente thing, there's a place for that somewhere else, but not this place. You know what I'm saying? You're like, 
having your cake and eating it too. You're like getting to say screw the NFL as they're doing something specifically for you to get you back in the league. And you, last year you played in the league, you were 16 touchdowns and and, and I forget the stat. 14 now, picks. 14 picks. I mean, that's not that's the that's other, horrible. The that's other piece just, too is that the entire good. time that Kaepernick was in San Francisco. I think it's fair to say that he was a he was a bright light as an athlete. A lot of attention because he was doing some things that very few people that have ever played football were able to do. I'm with you on athletically. That. However, there was never a time with that particular ball club where you looked at it and said that's Colin Kaepernick's team. Whether it was Patrick Willis and those guys on the defensive side of the ball, you know, um Jim Harbaugh was the head coach at the time. He was a larger-than-life character. Kaepernick was just another role player in that machine that made that thing go. When you look now, and it's funny that you were just talking about Kaepernick and, and that, we just had a conversation five minutes ago off-air that when you watch the Baltimore Ravens now, Lamar Jackson, is there any doubt in anybody's mind? That's his team. Oh, God, no. I mean, you watch what happens on the sideline. You watch what happens, you know, on the field. You watch what happens post game. You you watch him in press conferences. His team, period. I put it lock, stock, and barrel. I heard it put perfectly yesterday. Some one an NFL player. It might have been Ryan Smith. He was like, you know, when you come in the league, you can look like the best athlete, but these NFL players who are some of the best athletes in the world are in awe of this guy. He's next level. But he also, like I said, he's got command of that locker room. They listen to him. Are you about to allude that what NFL team lock, locker room is going to have respect for Kaepernick? Or? I'm, it, it's not necessarily the, about the respect. It's about his ability to be a leader. Right. Because getting respect based on your athletic ability, Cam Newton did that. But Cam Newton over the last couple of years, we've seen not a leader. And right. that has been as much as of, of his undoing as the injuries have been. You look in Houston right now with Deshaun Watson. They're coming off a tough week where Baltimore got in them. But when you look at that team from a broad perspective, oh, yeah. it's his team. Yeah, you're right. And you look at the athletic ability. He's a guy that plays the game sort of like Kaepernick did. He's mobile. He can run you know, and, and keep plays alive, do a lot of those things. But when you look at it, there's no doubt who the center of gravity is on that team. And that's not easy to say when you're talking about a team that has J.J. Watt on the roster. But I don't think there's any disputing right now. You know, if you go out on the street and you ask 15 people who the head coach of the Houston Texans is, they're not going to be able to tell you it's Bill O'Brien. Right. But I bet they've heard of Deshaun Watson. And that's kind of the difference here well, is that he those kind those types of guys have become the center of gravity, which is what your quarterback has to be. There's so much more than what you can do athletically. And the numbers that you're talking about he wants, he's assuming he's a starter. Which is laughable. Like so there's one or two things. He could be the starter if you want to bring him on, or he's the backup that imagine being a quarterback for any I, team I and having be the backup. And and you know, when you look across the NFL right now today, there are probably three or four NFL teams who don't have their starting quarterback situation settled going into the future. You look at Tampa Bay who's got a decision to make with Jameis Winston. I kind I tend to think they're gonna ride this Winston thing out. We'll see come this offseason. You've got um, Cincinnati, 
who's got Ryan Finley in there right now. Finley, I don't think anybody pretended was a franchise-type quarterback. They have moved on from Dalton. That's another one. The Bears thought they had their guy six months ago. Now I'm not so sure Trubisky just got with Trubisky. Again. And then when you look out there in Denver, Denver's got questions, and then possibly Tennessee, depending upon how they feel with Ryan Tannehill. Every other city in the NFL has their quarterback either playing right now as their starter or waiting in the wings to become the starter. There just aren't that many opportunities out there. And if you're in a situation like Chicago, do you, how can you consider bringing a guy like that in because he can just as easily blow it up and make sure that you know nothing good happens out there with Trubisky than alleviate the problem? We'll take a quick break. We're about 10 minutes away from Steve Burdue joining us to puff his chest out a little bit about this weekend's big win. We'll see you on the other side of the break. Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with REMAX Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. Did you know there is a place right here in downtown Sanford that utilizes fresh, organic, and sustainable foods from our area's vast farming community? It's Cooper's Restaurant and Wine Room, located at 133 South Steel Street in historic downtown Sanford. I'm Executive Chef Brian Moser. Come join us Tuesday through Saturday from 5 to 10 to experience an ever-evolving, locally-sourced menu featuring the area's best farmers paired with the locally brewed beers and some of the world's best wine. Make your reservations now on the Open Table app and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We are live outside the home of Joe and Rosie Goddard, where a pretty big tickle fight broke out just minutes ago. Sources say their father instigated the laughter. Let's go inside for a comment. (laughs) Apparently, they have no comment. Dads, let this be a reminder that it only takes a moment to make a moment. Call 877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back from the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. And I do have to say, as I was doing this without a, a net, I left the Dolphins out of that quarterback situation. You know, sorry. My bad. Easy forget about the Miami Dolphins right now. Uh, before we get into our interview with Lee County head coach Steve Perdue, we do need to touch on this Miles Garrett situation. And, you know, we, we've talked about race a couple of different ways this morning. One with the the recruiting and sort of the stereotypical, you know, poor inner city kids and, and how that's not as much the truth as it used to be. 
um, into the Kaepernick thing, which is just completely... You, you can't talk about the Kaepernick situation without considering race as part of the conversation. But the, the Miles Garrett thing, for those of you that are living in a cave and don't know, at the end of the Thursday night game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns, Miles Garrett pulled Steelers quarterback Mason Rudolph to the ground. And while they were on the ground, Rudolph took exception with the way he was tackled grabbed a hold of Miles Garrett's helmet and sort of was pushing his face. Miles Garrett responded by snatching Mason Rudolph's helmet off. Then Rudolph came after him and Miles Garrett swung the helmet and hit Rudolph in the head. In the aftermath, there was quite a scrum as one would imagine. And um Marquise Pouncey, the Steelers center, ended up kicking Garrett while he was on the ground and it was just a it was a bizarre a, a sublime set of circumstances and and you know it's one of those where you am you know, really watching this does this really happen right now in the aftermath of this Miles Garrett's been suspended indefinitely so what that means is that he's suspended for the balance of this year and then after this season has to apply for reinstatement to the league now, the idea that the league is not going to grant that and let him back next year is almost zero. However, first of all, I want to ask you, well, I'm not even going to ask you that yet. Miles Garrett has said he's going to appeal the suspension. That's been met with a little bit of uproar. Because if you're feeling contrite about this, if you're apologetic and you're like, Ugh, I realize what this did to the game, right. you probably just take your medicine and move on. There were people that in the immediate aftermath suggested he ought to be banned from the NFL. I don't know that I'm on that. I'm not in that camp. But there has been race invoked in this conversation, and I think it's ludicrous um, from the standpoint that Miles Garrett's getting this hearts of a penalty because he happens to be a black man playing in the NFL. But what do you, I want you to kind of opine about this for a second, well, and then we'll, we'll head back that way. So we were talking about it yesterday off air. The reason I was saying that the race has kind of been injected in this. Now, the ESPN folks, like the Max Kellermans of the world, are saying Mason Rudolph should be... Regardless of where you're on that side, what's telling me that, that race is being applied is I'm looking at my Facebook feed, and I'm seeing the comments going back and forth, and I'm seeing the still shot of what Mason Rudolph did, and why didn't he like you know what I mean? And and there's some racial undertones that I feel like don't apply to this situation. Well, and anybody that's asking, that it, there's it, two points that I want to make to back that up. Okay, go ahead. Um, Pouncey is an African American gentleman. And he is kicking this dude, Garrett, straight in the face. So, for me, it was more of a teammate issue, like teammates versus other teammates issue, rather than that was, you know, Mason, even though he's like, nobody had heard of him before this year, you may have, because you're a sports nerd, but I hadn't heard of him. And these guys are going to bat, like, they're, he's, it's blood brother here, you know? And then the second part of it is, I'll just insert, I did this the other day with my brother, insert Tom Brady. And as the quarterback who did this, like, are we even remotely talking about race in this situation? And I'm doing that to like say insert another, you know, white quarterback into that situation. It just takes a different narrative when it's this dude who looks like he could potentially be a jerky, 
uh, frat guy. You know, I guess that's what's working against him. But okay, I just didn't understand why race is being applied to this one situation. That's my, that's my thoughts on that. All right. First of all, anybody that says, well, look at what Rudolph did, doesn't know much about football. You know, you punch somebody in the NFL, you're, you're gone for the game. You may get a one-game suspension on the backside of it, depending upon what the league feels about it and how many times you've done something like that before. Grabbing a hold of somebody's face mask happens half a dozen times every football game. Um, every altercation that happens in the NFL, somebody grabs another player by the face mask. That's what happens. If you're playing youth football and a coach wants to get your attention, they're going to snatch your face mask. That's what happens. It happened to me. To, to pretend that him grabbing a hold of Miles Garrett's face mask was sufficient to excuse Miles Garrett taking his helmet and not just swinging it at him, hitting him in the head with it. I mean, the NFL, we haven't seen too. all of the negative impact yet, but head injuries are a real thing. And now you're you're talking about a guy that's coming off a concussion in Mason Rudolph, swinging and hitting him in the head with the helmet. He is the quarterback. Quarterbacks we know are the most protected species in the NFL. I mean, what 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 would be a suitable suspension for those folks that are out there trying to justify this? It's ludicrous. And I've never seen it in a game. I've never seen it in a game. I've seen fake swings of helmets, stuff like that. Never seen somebody swing a helmet and connect with somebody. What I love is the people that they brought in to talk about this stuff. Right away, they brought in Keyshawn Johnson. I've been at a Panthers game in which he's taken his helmet off and threw it in into his old bench. And he's got, oh, this is unacceptable. But, you know, the thing about it is, this is kind of what I was telling you the other day, it's inexcusable. The only thing I could think of is, you know how, like, in basketball, if you come off a bench and in a scrum and you're involved, all right, take a game away from them. But, but don't be like, well, this is unfair because but the things don't add up. Th- like this you're isn't to say. like somebody coming off the bench in a brawl. This is like Ron Artest and Steven Jackson going to the fans or going in the stands fighting, fighting fans. Right. And the suspensions for those guys reflected that. Right. Just as they do in this situ- in this situation with Miles Garrett. The thing that Miles Garrett has working against him here is not that he is black or white or brown or yellow or red. It's the fact that despite him being the number one overall pick in the NFL draft a couple years ago, the layperson doesn't know who Miles Garrett is. If this had happened with J.J. Watt, J.J. Watt would not be looking at two years worth of suspension. But it doesn't. It's not because J.J. Watt is a white guy. It's because J.J. Watt is one of the brightest stars see, in the NFL. And that's my point: is ESPN stop trying to tell me what I just saw? You yeah. know what I mean? Like they're they're trying too hard in this situation. And I don't know if it's because they need a take for this week or that week. It's clickbait, man. But you, you got to go the opposite direction if you want people to to jump on and you know comment on your stuff. You know, another thing. Just a side note. The NFL, you know, they're going to get a big hit, have gotten a big hit for, oh, man, this is horrible for the game. I don't think so. It, the NFL does a surprisingly good job at keeping these high-octane athletes in line. I mean, just think about it. I gave you a couple of examples yes, uh, the other day that I'm not going to go into, but it always surprises me as a t- person who go- has been to a lot of hockey games is to why it's so it- – acceptable for people to like take a a hockey stick to someone's face 
and them only, you know, miss out on one game. But if the NFL does it, ooh, man, this game's in trouble, right? You know, it's just, it's like the NFL lives up to some higher standard. I don't think as that, it to other, as it pertains to other sports. I don't think there's a fan out there who is seriously concerned about a quarterback getting knocked out of the game, as it applies generally. Now, if it's my team's quarterback and it's going to negatively impact the rest of the season, I have beef with it. But the violence of football is what the appeal is. I don't think that there are people out there who are like, oh, my God, Miles Garrett ought to be suspended because this was horrifying, you know, the damage that he could have done. If it's happening between the between the, the lines, I think the viewing public is all right with it. But there is a line. And just like I don't, I'm not going to get upset if there's a basketball brawl spilling into the stands, probably a little over the line. You want to get into a fight on a football field? Trade blows? No problem. You want to swing a deadly weapon at somebody? You know, the next step is the, what's the old Bruce Willis movie where he pulls out the gun and shoots the guy in the head on the football field? Because that's like the only frontier left. You know what I mean? Well, his people's argument is that it doesn't line up with repeat offenders like Vontez Burfick. Vontez Burfick, who's currently, who is currently suspended for the season. Right. But the thing is, is that you can't make that argument because just because you haven't stabbed people before you, and you're stabbing this person, I, I, it, I, makes I, it, it makes it no less horrible. Well, and I think, that, I, I think that the, the whole consideration of what's come before is valid because had Vontez Burfecht snatched somebody's helmet off and hit him with it, he'd be banned for the he'd game. He'd be banned for life yeah. beyond any shadow of a doubt. I, and they wouldn't, even, they wouldn't even considered it. You know, and they might have just, if they could get away with it, taken him out behind the stadium and shot him firing squad style. Miles Garrett's going to get the benefit of the doubt, but and he should. He's not a bad guy. He snapped. Apparently, not a bad guy, but he's also playing for a franchise that, for all of the love and accolades they got during the off season, does not have an owner that can call the league office and be like, "Hey, big dog." You know, if this guy were playing for Jerry Jones or Robert Kraft or one of those owners that had a little bit more clout with the league, might be a little bit different. I fully expect Miles Garrett's going to serve the rest of this year as a suspension. I do believe he'll be allowed back in next year, and this will be something that mars his legacy, just like Albert Hainsworth a few years ago stomping on a guy's face. Um, You know, but Albert Hainsworth outlived that, and now he's known for just being fat and lazy. We'll see you on the other side of the break. Interview coming with Lee County Yellow Jacket head coach Steve Berdue and other nonsense. My name is Lola Silvestri, and I'm going to be 95 this year. I was very independent. I fell, and I had to have meals on wheels. America, let's do lunch. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Hello, it's me, the designer jeans in the back of your closet. What happened to us? 
I used to summer in the Hamptons, and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Okay, maybe I never really fit you right, but I got a lot more Sunday fun days left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to Goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a stroke are far from silent. Get back on your treatment plan or talk with your doctor to create a plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhpp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Are you ready to sell your home and don't know which realtor to choose? Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with Remax Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. Welcome back from the Cheap Seas. Kristen Lambert, Brandon Atkins, joined on the phone by Lee County Head Coach. Steve Purdue. Steve, can you hear me? Yes, sir. How's it going? It's good, man. It's good. You sound a little chilled out this morning. Oh, yeah, always. <laughs> All right. So coming into this game, Lee County, I'd said several times on different platforms, I felt was playing their best football of the season. That seemed to carry over to Friday night as you took care of your first round game, 41-7. Um, playing Eastern Guilford, a team that you weren't familiar with uh, coming in. What did you see that went well? What do you guys still think you can work on and improve as you go into your second round matchup uh, against Southern Alamance? Yeah, one thing I think that's been going really well for us is, you know, carrying over from practice to games. You know, we've had three of our best weeks of practice, and it's kind of translated to the last three weeks of probably being some of our best football of the year. Um, So that that obviously, hopefully, we got to continue that. Um, Southern Alamance is a, is a really good team. I guess that's why you know anybody playing at this point, I would think, should be one. Um, they're they're a very run heavy team, so we're going to have to be ready to stop that. So coaches say that all the time: good week of practice, bad week of practice. They, they never they never come out in the media and say bad week of practice. But what constitutes a good week of practice? What's that mean? You know, I, I think uh, really when we make a practice plan on Sunday. Uh, you know, for, for the week, when we can go through that day of practice and, and it go exactly as planned, I think that's a big part of it. But just just having a consistent flow, um, you know, obviously effort's always a good thing. The, the, the players having some good energy, um, it obviously helps as well. But I think you know, the, the faster it feels the practice went, and you know, the more competitive it is during the day. I think the, obviously the, the, that translates to me as, as, as a good practice. So if, if you had a player snatch somebody's helmet off and hit him in the head with it, <laughs> would that be a bad practice? Yeah, I, I don't think that would be a bad practice. That would be a bad day any day. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen anything like that in a game no, before? No, that, that, uh, that was definitely uh, way over the top. That was, that was, that was unbelievable. Yeah. 
So, so from your standpoint as a professional that works in football, what do you think that suspension ought to look like as we move forward? Yeah, I think it's got to be at least a, a year suspension. Um, I know they're already saying the rest of this year already, but I feel like he's going to be a professional athlete. Yeah, you know, you got to set the standard for everybody else. So if you can let let professionals do that, and, and I think that just sends a bad message. And all the other things that uh, people get suspended for, um, I think that's as severe as it could be. I'm with that. I'm with that. Coach, tell me something. Stop me when I'm wrong. Um, so I got invited to help call the Southern Lee Lee County game. Congratulations on that one, too. Appreciate it. Um, I was told that that was the first time that you guys were using visuals on the sideline. Is that true? or t- no, Walk me through that. Have you been doing that for a long time? Yeah, so we've used it, uh, we used it this year and last year. Uh, we have a subscription, I guess, service that we use. So we're able to film the game. We have two different angles. Um, this year, the first year, we had an end zone angle. Um, but we, you know, we have two different angles, one from the press box, one from the end zone that we're able to get the feed from, um, on iPads on the sideline and in, and in the press box. No, what he's um, talking so, about is the, what he's talking about, I think, is the, the signs with the graphics. Oh, on. yeah, the handheld. Okay, the handheld sign. So we, we used it, uh, we started doing that against Western Harnet, um, and used it the last few weeks. Uh, we did not actually use it this week, um, you know, but we'll, we'll probably be using it again. It's just another way for us to get play calls in for games that might be louder than others. Hey, oh, so and that, that's what I was going to ask you what, what the consideration was, and in, in you're saying that it's the noise. Yeah, in it's the more stadium. a communication tool than necessarily a, I guess, um, you know, it's, it's a communication tool. Okay, hey, don't we, let don't let Dave Doran know that you're using iPads on the on yeah, the right. sideline. He'll get in trouble with him. <laughs> we, we, we thought it might have something to do with with Southern Lee's familiarity with with your play calling and thought it may be something to circumvent that, but you say you were doing it a, a couple weeks before that. Yes, yeah, so we did it a, a few weeks before that knowing that, um, you know, we're expecting a big crowd for Southern Lee, and we want to make sure that any any way of communication that we had, you know, we had a backup plan. I've, I've done it years in the past. Um, it was just something that we put in place, and we practiced a few weeks uh, to make sure that we were ready for it. And, uh, and I, I, we'll, we'll use it again this week. So when um, you it's, use it's, those it's kind of a backup plan, when yeah. you use those signs with the four graphics on each side of it, mm-hmm. are you using multiple boards so that somebody's sending in fake signals and somebody's sending in the real play? So we had, we use four different people doing stuff, and and really three of them mean something. One of them doesn't always mean something, and that can change as the game goes on if we needed to. Interesting, very interesting. Um, I, I got to tell you that. I have formed an opinion about this Lee County team that I feel like this team with momentum is it, they're as good a front-running team as I've ever seen. And, and what I mean by that is that when one guy makes a play, you can count on two more guys making a play right <laughs> behind it. Yeah, I, I think that that's one thing that I really enjoy about these guys is, is, is they feed a lot off of each other. Um, you know, they, they all want to see each other be successful. So I think, like just like you said, you know, Colin makes a big play. AJ, you know, Dez, whoever makes that big play, then the next guy's looking forward to their opportunity as well. So, you know, it's, it's definitely a, a fun thing to watch. All right, Colin Johnson, your senior quarterback, now is 35-2 and two as a starter. <laughs> that's, that's ludicrous. Yes, sir. Are, are you ready to call him a dual-threat quarterback? He's been getting it done, um, you know. A lot of times, you know, it's not even necessarily called plays. Yeah, he's able to 
you know, break the pocket if a, a snap happens or we miss a protection. He's able to make the plays happen. Um, and then when we do call a run for him, obviously, he, you know, he scored a touchdown with one this week. Um, he's, if he's not one, he's, he's very close to it. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a complete he's a complete kid, you know, from football player to everything else on the outside as well. Yeah, there were a couple times this weekend where he channeled his inner Lamar Jackson and took off in <laughs> big gains he with did. his legs. He, he seems he to get couple. offended when I suggest that he's not fast. What's that all about? <laughs> He, he's, I think, one of those guys you had to say would be sneaky fast. He's not necessarily going to run a. He's not going to run a four four forty, but he, he's a lot faster than than he looks uh, moving around the field. He's like um, in so. in game fast. Yeah, and sometimes that's a lot better than being fast on the clock. So speaking of four four guys, um, AJ Bullwear with another big game. Isn't it nice to know going in that if you can block something up three or four times a game? that he's going to score a couple touchdowns because once he gets to the second level, he's got a gear where he's just going to outrun everybody. Yeah, I think the other thing with AJ, not just the gear, but you know, this is a determination of not being tackled. You know, I don't think a whole lot of guys in the secondary want to see him running. You know, you know so when he breaks through that defensive line or the, you know, the linebacker level, um, you know, I like our chances of, you know, with him one-on-one with the safety or a DB. So I think the speed and the, just the aggressiveness alone you know, carry him a long ways. All right, so by virtue of your number one seed in the uh, in the Eastern bracket of the three AA playoffs, you're at home throughout the playoffs up until the state championship game. Southern Alamance travels in this weekend. What can you tell us about the challenges that they pose? You know, I think, you know, if we face some really good, well-coached teams, I, I will say I think Southern Alamance is the best-coached team we faced. You know, they're, they're a very sound team. Um, they, they, they have a lot of really good football players. I don't think they necessarily have any, you know, they probably don't have Division One football players, but they have exceptional talent at the high school level. Um, offensively is their strength. Uh, they, they've done a really good job the last few weeks of just pounding the football and, you know, run it 50 a couple times a game and getting three or four yards and then, you know, keep getting three or four yards and getting first down. So that's kind of been their MO on offense. And defensively they've had two shutouts in a row. So they've got a little momentum as well. All right. Is there any attention – that you're putting on who your future opponents might be after this week, any at all? No, sir. If we don't win this week, you don't have to worry about next week. So, I hear you. Um, such a Southern coach. Alamance has all of our attention. <laughs> That's you're, such you're, a coach answer. You're such a football coach. It, 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 you know, it, it is, but you know, it's the truth. You know, hey, man, we had our, our coaches meeting last night, and everyone another team talked about. Coach, without getting yourself into hot water, who do we got to talk to to get some press? A press box up there, like that's. <laughs> there's no space. We can't. There's a couple things. There's a couple things we got to work on in the off season. Uh, that, that's one of the ones high up on the list. I think you know we've got such a great stadium overall that that's an area that we can definitely improve. Um, that's one of the things on on my list of things to do for sure. Well, you and I spent some time with Paul B. Gay, the uh, Hall of yes, Fame sir. coach from from uh, Sanford Central back in the day, and he told us that press box had been there since at least 1969. Yep. Fifty years shelf life on a press box—that's probably sufficient. It's time for uh, the district to so. step up and hook you up. Yes, sir. It sounds good to me. When you got guys like Philip Chapel going in there, there's it leaves no room <laughs> for anybody else. <laughs> Well, we'll see what we can do to help you get that press box situation alleviated. Um, so, anything you'd like to add about this weekend? We, we, you know, this past Friday night, the crowd was impressive, given that it was about four degrees. 
um, and, and wet and rainy and all, all day. So I was, I was happy to see how, how the, our home crowd showed up, and I think it'll be even better this week. I've been told that Southern Alamance travels well, so I'm going to say we got to make sure we have a, a bigger crowd and better crowd than them. Um, but, but one more thing about last week, you know, Trey Underwood, our senior kicker, um, went into fourth place all-time in the state on points kick. So he's at 331 now for his career, and that's fourth all-time in North Carolina. So, you know, it's a, it's a heck of a feat by him and showing the you know, success and longevity, I guess, of his career. Does he have a shot at number three? It's go, it's, he's – so three, I think, 69 is third place. So it's, it's going to take a few more weeks to get there. So we got to keep winning, so he's got that chance. He's All right, well, that's tied. as good a reason as any to just keep winning ball games. I think y'all just yes, ought to win four more and, and hey, uh, that, go ahead and get a, a win. That sounds good to me. So I, I just – the other thing I need to know, man, it, is as the play-by-play guy who's been there the whole run since you got there, uh-huh. can can I buy a state championship ring? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yes, sir. Hopefully, I gotta ask hopefully everybody gets an opportunity. Coach. When you win the state championship, are you going to remember the small, the little people? Are you going to big Thomas and not come on the show anymore? No, I, y'all got me anytime you want me. <laughs> Coach Steve Burdue, Lee County Yellow Jackets. If you're anywhere near Sanford, North Carolina, on Friday night, kicks at seven thirty. Is that correct? Seven thirty kick. All right, we will have the game live on the NFHS Network nationwide. But there's nothing like high school football in person. Come out and uh, root on these yellow jackets as they continue their their trek to a state championship coach thanks we will i'll talk to you again here in uh, about seven hours huh yes sir hey i'll I'll see you later i'll see everybody else on friday all right very good coach steve burdue thanks for hanging out we'll take a quick break we'll be back to put a bow on this show we got to figure out what else there is to talk about man we were worried about not being able to get to some of these things I think we're about there. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats on WFJ 105.5 FM in Central North Carolina. I was tired of my lady. We'd been together too long. Like a worn out recording. Did you know there is a place right here in downtown Sanford that utilizes fresh, organic, and sustainable foods from our area's vast farming community? It's Cooper's Restaurant and Wine Room, located at 133 South Steel Street in historic downtown Sanford. I'm Executive Chef Brian Moser. Come join us Tuesday through Saturday from 5 to 10 to experience an ever-evolving, locally-sourced menu featuring the area's best farmers paired with the locally-brewed beers and some of the world's best wine. Make your reservations now on the Open Table app and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. So why do teenagers play high school sports? My reason why is a sense of purpose. My reason why is to inspire others. One reason student-athletes seldom mention is to get an athletic scholarship. They know that only 2% of all high school athletes are awarded a sports scholarship. So why do they play? My reason why is friendship. Tell us your reason using the hashtag MyReasonWhy. This message presented by the NFHS and the North Carolina High School Athletic Association. from the cheap seats but 11 minutes to go here we appreciate you hanging out with us this morning it's been a cold windy monday 
Can't say that the elements have been impactful since we're inside in this little booth hanging out. It's this actually a little sauna. toasty up in here, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's like a, a little, sauna up in here. A little pit sweat going. Hey, man, know. I'm looking at the headline on ESPN. It says, don't look now, but Clemson looks like a national champ again. What do you think about that? Uh, I think that I'm not surprised by that. And, and you know, it, it comes at a time where this playoff picture is starting to sort itself out. And, and there's some things. First of all, I, I do think that two things happened this weekend that conspired to doom Alabama's chances. The first was Tua going down, because right. that's certainly something that the, the selection committee is going to take into account, because they probably don't look like one of the best two or three or four teams without Tua in there. No offense to Mac Jones and Mac Jones' family. The second thing, though, is that Auburn loss. That Auburn loss is, is huge. Huge. Auburn goes down this weekend and drops to seven and three, which means that even if they win out, um, which they will. I mean, they've got Sanford this weekend. Then they've got Alabama. If they lose to Alabama, that's a four-loss team. That's what and we're that probably is the best win on Alabama's resume. Texas A and M. Don't be fooled by that. Texas A and M right now is a three-loss team. They're still hanging in the top twenty-five. Um, but take a quick peek at the Texas A&M schedule, and it'll show you they're liable to be a five-loss team by the time it's all said and done. Unless something crazy happens, um, A&M's got real issues. So I've got beef with that. Um, A&M closes with Georgia this week and LSU next week. They're not going to beat either one of those teams. So that means you've got a 7-5 and Texas A&M win on Alabama's schedule and you've got the potential victory over Auburn which is a four loss team that's not enough this record or this schedule that Alabama's put together they don't have anybody but to blame but themselves um you know they're the ones that scheduled Duke and New Mexico State and Southern Miss and Western Carolina I, I get that the SEC theoretically should be tough they didn't get a good draw in terms of scheduling in the SEC, and they didn't win the game they had to win, period. Alabama has not done enough to get into the playoff, regardless of what circumstances come to pass at this point. Because you look at Oklahoma, Oklahoma's resume at this point is better than Alabama's, and it's going to continue to get better if Oklahoma continues to win. Now, Oklahoma almost gacked away all chances and handed Baylor a chance to get serious into the national championship conversation. They were down 25 points and came back. Baylor just sort of folded up and could not run their offense in the second half. Uh, That game in the first half, Baylor absolutely dominated Oklahoma. Jalen Hurts, even though the, the Heisman has probably passed him by because of that Kansas State loss, Jalen Hurts showed why he is legitimately one of the best college football players today and put that team on his back, brought them back from the dead, and gets the win at Baylor in a tough environment. Um, Oklahoma. you got to watch out for TCU next week, too. Well, TCU is always going to be tough. This is not a great TCU team, uh, but you're right. You do, have to, you, you do have to get by them. Now, here's the other part of this situation, is that you've got right now um, Georgia – and LSU in the top four. 
unless something bananas happens, LSU is going to play Georgia in the SEC championship game. One of those teams has to be out. Now, I don't see LSU being out of the playoff with the You loss. think even with the loss to Georgia, LSU is in? I think so. Wow. If they're number one right now, and the only drop, one they drop is to Georgia, they're going to be in the, the playoff. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's say for the sake of argument, you've got Clemson, who, who if they win out, is in. Also, I'm going to let you know, that Texas A&M scenario mm-hmm. hurts Clemson, too. So the more yeah, games they drop, because that's their best win this year probably. But I, I, I have said all along that I thought that Clemson, based on what they were doing on the field this year and their schedule, that if Clemson managed – if Clemson didn't win out, if they didn't win the ACC and go undefeated, I didn't think Clemson was in. I don't know if I still believe that or not, but – Do you think the committee uses the eye the – Test. Of course they use the eye test. So, and I mean, when you look at Clemson, you're like, oh, my God, yeah, they're doing it. But when you look at the schedule, God, it's <laughs> abysmal. And, you know, Wake Forest now is out of the top 25, which was predictable. But Wake Forest is the best game they've played this year, and it's Wake Forest. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, they've got Carolina, South Carolina. Now, South looked, Carolina is a rivalry game. South Carolina could trip them up. But that game looked a lot better five weeks ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, South Carolina's beaten teams. They have no. Well, they handed Georgia their only loss. But now South Carolina limps into this at four and seven. This game doesn't do any good for Clemson, but it isn't. You know, it's an interstate rivalry game. Clemson could get knocked off. I don't see it happening. I do want to say one thing about Clemson, though, just real quickly. Dabo Sweeney is getting sucked into this whole dual threat quarterback RPO trend that's going on. You, there is no reason in the world to run Trevor Lawrence the way he's doing it, and I think he's doing it to his detriment. I feel like I think he's trying to get him into that Heisman conversation. It ain't he might be doing year. it for him. Ain't gonna happen this year. But you're looking at a guy right now, Trevor Lawrence, 27 touchdowns, eight interceptions, 2,500 yards. You're talking with him in terms of guys like Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields, who are putting up absolute video game numbers. Uh, Justin Fields at this point still only one interception and about 30 touchdowns. Um, I don't think it's going to happen for Trevor Lawrence. And to be honest, I'm not sure, even though he, yes, next year will be the number one player taken in the draft, right now Trevor Lawrence to me is not the best player on that offense. Travis Etienne is. um, He is the difference maker. I think you could put a lot of college quarterbacks back there and run that Clemson team and be where they're at right now. Quick question. So let's say for – argument's sake, LSU beats Georgia, which that's probably what's going to happen, right? I don't know that probably. Georgia's playing good football right now. So let, oh, but, but let's but, say that LSU beats Georgia. Do you see, a, let's say LSU beats Georgia, a one-loss Clemson, Clemson team, do they get jumped by Alabama, Oregon, Utah, Oklahoma? Not by Alabama, but they could get, they could get jumped by Oregon, Utah, or Oklahoma. So you see an, a scenario with a one-loss Clemson team is out. I still think a one-loss Clemson team, even though I tried to talk myself out of it, I still think a one-loss Clemson team is out. That's horrible. And you've got to look at the Pac-12. You've got Oregon and Utah right now at 6-7, and seven, which means they're on the outside looking in. They've got to play each other in a championship game. That is a big deal. That's a win that has to be accounted for. Sure. And one of those teams, assuming that they went out, because they've still got work to do, obviously, but if they went out the regular season, um, 
you're talking about a one-loss conference champion with, if nothing else, that one big win on the radar. And remember, Oregon, they're, Oregon, if they win out, and they've got Oregon State, they've got ASU, and Arizona State is no punk, um, but then they close with Oregon State. If they win out, they will have won 12 straight ball games. Their one loss goes back to opening week, which isn't supposed to mean anything, all those months ago when they lost by a touchdown to Auburn. Um, I'm not going to hold that loss against them if they're the conference champ and they're up against another one-loss team. I think Oregon will have done enough to get in. It, it The eye test can't be what trumps everything. You have to be able to look at it and say, what have you done on the field? And Oregon is a good ball club, as is Utah. Both of them very good ball clubs. I think I give the nod with what I see on the field to Oregon, led by Justin Herbert, who's going to be a top five pick in the draft. But they're a big physical team. They're fast. They're athletic. Um, I think if Oregon wins out, they're in, period. I think that they're in ahead of a one-loss Oklahoma team that is likely to win the Big 12. But the question, and Do, we oh, really don't have time to take a deep dive into it. we got to go. But – Minnesota, I told you, the problem I had with Minnesota beating Penn State was they were going to lose to either Iowa or Wisconsin. They went ahead and got ahead of it and lost to Iowa this week. Yeah, but I think Ohio State's strong enough that none of that's going to affect them. I think they're in. It starts with it starts with Penn State this weekend. They've got to beat Penn State and Michigan. Then they're going to have to beat probably Wisconsin because I think Wisconsin, who gets Minnesota to close the season, I think Wisconsin's a better squad. Wisconsin in that situation rolls into the Big Ten Championship as a two-loss division winner, but you you got to recognize what Wisconsin is. Just really so, quickly, do you see a scenario that will blow the four-team up into an eight-team playoff moving forward? Is that still alive? A scenario? Common sense. I mean, we have to. And if the Pac-12 gets left out this year, the Pac-12 should tell the NCAA to get bent and they're not participating. I, and I mean that. If the big, if the Pac-12, with the way it's, with the way it's shaping up, where they're going to have a one-loss conference champ who has beaten another one-loss division winner in their conference championship game, if they get left out again, they should tell the NCAA, we're not doing this anymore. Do whatever you want. I, and I mean that. The Big 12, Oklahoma stubbed their toe. I think they've done enough. You can't keep considering these teams that are on the outside looking in. But then in the end, you've got five conferences for four slots. we got to go. This is from the Cheap Seats. We'll continue this conversation for months because we got forever until they play the national championship game. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. We are out. Peace.